No, I'm just saying that like if somebody offered me a steak from Omaha Steaks, from Omaha Steaks, be sure I to go would... to Omaha Steaks and put in the promo code S1E1. It won't work, but um, <laughs> put it'll it charge anyways. you more. Yeah, for an additional ten percent. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to S1E1, the show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and ignoring anything we might know about the future run of that show, rate it, and decide if that's a show we want to greenlight or cancel. Today we're going to be talking about WKRP in Cincinnati. WKRP went 90 episodes over four seasons on CBS. Today we're talking about episode one, which was called Pilot, part one, originally airing September 18th, 1978. So to get things started, I'm Jay Gags. With me, as always, the boys, Gordo, Joe, Ferg, and Nick. What's going on, guys? Hello. WKRP. WKRP. Booger. So, uh, okay, WKRP. Uh, before anything, Joe, you picked this episode, correct? Yes, I did. Uh, any particular reason you wanted to cover this one? Uh, yeah, so... I because think- he hates me. Yeah, first of all, I hate Ferg. I knew he would hate this show. I think that I'm not going to take a guess here, but I'm guessing that the majority of everyone on this is not going to enjoy it. But when we were in high school, when Nick at Night was still what Nick at Night used to be, for like an entire summer, they would do a thing where on one specific day a week, they would just play one show all night. So once a week was like Thursday or whatever, they'd play WKRP in Cincinnati for like 10 hours. And the entire summer, it was like my favorite night of the week. And I watched every episode of it, and I've always just loved this show. I love old rock and roll stuff and old radio stuff and stuff that's just sort of kind of quaint now. So I thought this would be a fun show to revisit at the detriment of most of my friends. And to pivot from there, for the rest of you, have any of you even watched this show up until now? No. Yeah, I've never heard of of this show other than Joe mentioning it. Yeah. This is a very popular show. Yeah, Yeah, I had heard of it. I saw, I remember, I mean... I forget most of it, but I do remember watching a lot of it. I don't recall if I had watched it or not. I really don't. I feel I watched, like I watched a lot of Nick at Night. Maybe well, that's my the thing. Day I skipped. I watched a lot of Nick at Night as a kid, so I feel like I must have seen episodes, but I really have no recollection of. Ever I watching only, it. I really only remember Johnny. Uh, like I don't remember any of the other characters for some reason, but I know I've seen the show. He's definitely the one that sticks out, I think, in, in like the culture. And Venus, right? like, too. But. Yeah. The, the one thing that if you've never seen this show, that this is one of the few shows that has a very famous Thanksgiving episode. And I don't know if we have substantially different like Instagram feeds or anything, but every Thanksgiving I see the same people posting the clip from the Thanksgiving episode. It's pretty famous. We have so substantially different Instagram feeds. <laughs> I would assume so. But anyway, it's a very famous episode, right, where they drop a bunch of turkeys out of a helicopter. And, like, you'll, now that I've said that to you at Thanksgiving this year, you'll probably see some people mention it. I'll keep an eye out. So, yeah, I mean, let's get right into the episode itself. So, it starts right with the actual, like, intro to the show. And it's, uh, like a radio for a car. And you see a hand adjusting the radio until it lands on WKRP. And a theme song starts playing over, like, various shots of the city. Um, then the shots actually, like, it looked almost like home video footage. It didn't look like it was recorded by like a studio. Do you know no, that was the quality of cameras in 1978. Yeah, but it's not the quality of the camera so much as like the shakiness of it the was shots. It probably tough 
to film in a car then because cameras were giant. Yeah, I imagine so, it was just a, like a, there was no steady cam yet. So it was just somebody holding a handheld cam. And if you yeah. bump into something, what it reminded me of a lot is I don't know if you guys watch a lot of like true crime documentaries or anything. But whenever there's like a true crime documentary that takes place like in the 70s where they're like Ted Bundy was roaming the country. They always just cut to a bunch of like Volkswagen Beetle footage. You know what I mean? It's like stock footage of cars from back then. And this yeah, they try thing, to take you into like that era when they right, do that stuff. That's what this felt like a lot to me. It also reminded me of Taxi's uh, theme a little bit. Well, Taxi is notorious like, yeah. to being one of the most boring intros to a show ever. But it's but, so um, Yeah, we've said this before. We have to do Taxi soon. Yeah, Taxi's um, a great one. So as they're going through the radio, though, one, one thing I wanted to point out is as they're going from station to station, one of the things when they were on like a talk station, the quote was, but the senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. <laughs> the show does a good job of having funny things on the radio in the background like they never let you forget that it is actually a radio station that's not just a place of work you know what i mean yeah i thought they did a good job of injecting a little bit of dry humor right in the intro there so you go wait what what did he say <laughs> and bef- i mean I, I feel like it's something we should mention at the top because we've covered the show before but i had never realized how similar news radio is to this well, i don't just, know why i didn't yeah. put that together but it's it feels very very similar yeah, it's I want to touch on it's it. It's definitely like a less funny news radio. How dare I you? Agreed. I want to touch on it as we get to it because there are, especially early in the episode, some comparisons. But I, I felt like it's kind of unfair in a way because I'm more familiar with news radio. So I keep comparing this to it. But this show came out like 20 years before news radio. Yeah. So if anything, it should be the other way around. I'm just, I'm more familiar with the other product. Oh, okay. News radio is a funnier version then. I was just going to say the same oh, thing. You're well, right. Nobody showed that's, their hands more earlier or anything. But, um, I'm going to send so, you guys all to the rest home after this. So uh, from the intro, we get to the opening scene. And it's Herb, the sales manager, walks into like the front office of the radio station. And he's talking to Jennifer, who I assume is the receptionist there. Played by Lonnie Anderson. Lonnie Anderson, married to Burt Reynolds, Burt Reynolds, of course, for a good period of time. Do you want to know a great Lonnie Anderson uh, movie you should watch? Like Burt and Lonnie. Oh, I thought that too with Wedding Singer. Uh, Lonnie Anderson has a starring role alongside Hulk Hogan in Three Ninjas at, um, God, is it the Mega Mountain? High or Noon Knuckles? at Mega Mountain. There it is, yeah. She's in the Hulk Hogan Three Ninjas movie. <laughs> the worst of the Three Ninjas movies. <laughs> yes, but by a mile, too. By a mile. I don't know. The third one's pretty bad, too. They're pretty tied, and the third one doesn't have Hulk Hogan. I guess, yeah. Well, if, if this is going to be a tiebreaker. I mean, the only good one is the first one. The second one's okay. I agree. And Breath better than all better than Amazing. all of them, Surf Ninjas. I better than again. all of those, Sidekicks. Ooh, I'm going to go with Surf Ninjas, though. Oh, I like Sidekicks better. <laughs> Moto Surf! Yeah, I mean, how do you beat Rob Snyder and Tone Loke in the same movie? You Tone Loke's a tough one to beat, yeah. Well, Sidekicks has Chuck Norris and Joe Piscopo. Yeah, if anyone can beat them, it's Chuck. Joe Piscopo is not like someone who I think people go, oh, shit, it's Joe Piscopo. He's almost like a parody <laughs> of himself. He's just from like that era of SNL that he was like just like the best they had for a minute. He did do a great uh, Frank Sinatra. I have a few of his records. I've got like a weird record of his where he has a bunch of voices and stuff. He's also painted on the wall of famous Joes in Alston on the um, that bar, the silhouette. Oh, yeah, that's right. He is. And you know who also did a good Frank Sinatra? Phil Hartman from News Radio. R.I.P. Phil Hartman. (laughs) Died on my birthday. You Uh, killed Phil Hartman. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) to pivot from there, 
uh, Herb starts asking Jennifer if uh, he has any calls or messages, any mail, and then seamlessly asks to take her to lunch or dinner or just straight to his place. And she reminds him that he's married. And he's like, oh, yeah. And then goes right back into it. And it's like, what's it going to take? Watches, jewelry. Uh, <laughs> fully dressed beef. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to bring that up. Side of beef fully fact- dressed. Yeah. Aside from the fact he, that this he could have got me with the beef, <laughs> sexual harassment city. Nobody uses meat as a sexual thing. Seventies, <laughs> like a fully dressed side of beef. Or I don't like, know. Oh. I don't know, Joe. I, what if I offer you a whole bunch of Omaha steaks in that a sexual sounds, way? Yeah, that sounds appealing. If you just are you referring to yourself me? as a box Not of me. Omaha steaks? Yes, I'm saying. Would would you do if I offered Omaha steaks? Are you? Presenting yourself as Omaha Steaks. Are you trying to get us a sponsorship from Omaha Steaks? Should we just all keep saying Omaha Steaks? Omaha Steaks. <laughs> They're steaks from Omaha. From Omaha. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, you could very easily get Omaha Steaks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying that, like, if somebody offered me a steak or be fully dressed from Omaha Steaks. From Omaha Steaks. Be sure to go to Omaha Steaks and put in the promo code S1E1. It won't work, but... um, (laughs) It'll charge you more. Yeah, for an additional 10%. We're really going to lose our sponsorship with ButcherBox now. (laughs) Yeah, and at ButcherBox, put in the promo code S1E1. Also won't work, but maybe maybe it'll make them search us. Why do people keep typing S1E1 in the ButcherBox search code? But, uh, yeah, no, I, I thought the uh, side of beef is an uh, interesting wait, wait, way to I, describe it. Not yourself. to cut you off, but, Gordo, what were you talking about? <laughs> he wasn't sure yet. <laughs> he was hoping to find it along the way. The carbon monoxide it. detector is coming on Amazon. <laughs> uh, but I was saying that, like, if meat would be a good way to get the meat. What? But what? <laughs> If you use if you use meat, he was using meat as a ploy. He's using a double entendre. Yes, thank you. Use meat to get the meat. He wasn't talking about actual actual meats. What are you talking about? He wasn't. He wasn't saying like, <laughs> do you want jewelry or like just like some well, meat from the butcher? Hog. Yeah, he yeah. meant his cock. He's talking about his cock, Gordo. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> I thought he was talking about like like a good rump roast. Carlos over here, like you know, that would be a really good gift. I don't know, guys. Like, yeah, nice Omaha steak subscription. Uh, <laughs> also, is it like a dowry? Is he like bribing her? Like, go on a date with me, and I'll give you steaks from Omaha. I'm, I'm glad I mean, it, it took, would work for me. Oh, it took man. about five minutes to figure out what he meant. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I didn't know he was referring to his penis. Um, I thought he was like, yo, here's watches, here's jewelry, and beef. <laughs> Stopped at the butcher shop on the way, and I wanted to give you some options. <laughs> nice ribeye. Yeah, what do you think Arby's slogan really means? They have tons <laughs> of meat. Well, Arby's, we have the cock, didn't pass the sensor, so they had to change it. No, that's, There goes um, our Arby's sponsorship. No, that's guy. I let Arby's worry that. about it. KFC. Make sure KFC. when you go to Arby's, you tell them that S1E1 sent you for the S1E1 <laughs> meal plan. The meal plan being that they just show you the exit. 
Just Ving Rhames walks in and just punches you in the mouth. <laughs> Fuck y'all. <laughs> to be fair, if you're going to get punched by somebody, Ving Rhames would be a pretty good one. Yeah. No, he'd kill He's you. He's probably the last you person I'd want to be punched by. <laughs> I'd want to get punched by, like, Andy Dick. <laughs> I don't From know. From News Radio. <laughs> yeah. Andy There's Dick also- was arrested today. Yeah. He was always arrested today. <laughs> That's true. Save that cue card, right? I think right? you That's mean last week. Anywhere. Nudge, nudge. Yeah. By the time it airs. Uh, no, it's Evergreen. You can say Andy Dick got arrested. And yeah, really this doesn't matter when until he's dead. That's like that's saying like a... Sonny got arrested. <laughs> yeah. So uh, moving forward again, he also offers to arrange for her to meet Bert Convy, uh, who was a game show host at the time. He did Super Password, Tattletales. Um, Very relevant. Yeah, well, again, this is a time from the 70s. Yeah, it's a little more relevant then. But, but again, it's one of those people who kind of was only around for a little bit of time. You know what I mean? It's not somebody uh, like Casey Kasem where you could just say, well, <laughs> the kids will love him even 10 years from now. I think the thing with this reference was, yeah, it was timely enough. But the point was that he isn't a huge star. He wasn't like offering, you know, like a mega star. He was offering the one guy he knew. That would be like us offering to meet Al Caprillion. Oh, I would. If we can get that to be our uh, giveaway, <laughs> and then we all just win for ourselves and go meet Al Caprillion, I'll be very excited. Here, you get to have Al Caprillion. <laughs> he comes to your house and just doesn't leave. Just you own him now. Baby. <laughs> I wear the shower head, high pressure. <laughs> <laughs> now, Herb here, the actor who plays Herb, he is, uh, speaking of Casey Kasem, he has actually a recurring role on Save by the Bell, Save by the, Bell the New Class, which uh, when we do our Save by the Bell month, we might run into him there. He also uh, was in a bunch and directed a bunch of, remember that show USA High? That name is super like familiar, familiar, but that's yeah. where that ends. It was on NBC, and then it was on the channel USA for a while. It was like one of those, it's on Saturday afternoons after wrestling sort of shows, where it's like a bunch of kids from the u.s end up at a high school in paris and they have to navigate through the wacky world of not being in their own home country it's very much like a really cheap knockoff saved by the bell it's probably something we could cover soon we well uh, we can look into Looking that forward <laughs> yeah. to that well it, we're doing it, california it, dreams first I, I sometimes i think that you guys challenge me to find shows that are near impossible to find on the internet <laughs> it's like here's a random show that you'll never be able to find and download anywhere well, california dreams came out on dvd all right, it might be fine. Might be findable, yeah. but yeah, we'll, well, let's get back into this episode. So, uh, as he's pleading his case to um, offer her some beef and watches, uh, Andy Travis walks in, and uh, as soon as that happens, Herb is suddenly in a rush and he can't talk, so he gets out of there. It did, um, it did kind of remind me of News Radio here because, like, their first episode was also like the program director's first day. I believe he was also the program director, right? I can't remember specifically. Yes. It is. It's the program director's first day, and everybody there is mad because they all wanted the job, too. Right. So Very similar plot There's a lot of parallels early on, especially with just that first kind of opening scene is very similar in in the nature of it. He tells him, like, we'll talk later if you last that long before you leave. So I I guess already we know that the job is a, a bit of a rotating door. Jennifer then asks Andy if he'd like to meet the big guy. Which I believe was WWE superstar Ryback. Ryback. <laughs> and he replied, uh, I think we can no, all collectively have a nice fuck him. Ryback right yeah. here, right? Fuck Ryback. But yeah, you know, fuck also, you, Ryback. 
Also calls him the chief, the head honcho, the jerk that runs the place. Um, and then picks I, up the phone and I'm sorry. I said that's also names that you could refer to the Ryback ads. The head honcho, the guy who runs the place, the jerk. um so yeah so jennifer picks up the phone and calls mr carlson and informs him that mr travis is there to see him and over the phone just by her reaction you can tell that he doesn't even like remember who that is andy tells her that he hasn't met mr carlson yet he was hired over the phone after that happens the phone rings again and it's mr carlson and just asking if he's still there (laughs) it was um i don't know it was like a weird it kind of worked in the moment, but it was, I don't know. Strange. Now, Mr. Carlson, this is for Nick, where I get to bring up weird pedophilia. <laughs> so, this actor, do you remember in the 80s how there was always a, a very special episode? Like, Punky Brewster gets trapped in the refrigerator and almost dies. Um, they get a bunch of drugs to the kids in Silver Spoons. There's the really famous episode of Different Strokes where an older guy Oh, tries with the to old molest. pedophile at the bike shop? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, I remember that one. See, thank you. Everyone give me the weird looks. He's the pedophile at the bike shop. Oh, how nice. <laughs> so, you know, his three big acting credits are WKRP in Cincinnati, the pedophile at the bike shop, and then like a 20-year career as the Maytag repairman in commercials while we were kids. <laughs> what a great, boss? great IMDb list he has. <laughs> the boss? Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Carlson. Oh, he is the Maytag repairman. Yeah. He oh. was from like 89 to like, I don't know, the mid-2000s. Interesting. Okay. Commercial gigs are where it's at. He probably made a lot of money doing that. Probably. Yeah, because I remember that. I didn't know. I didn't put two and two together. Okay. Well, I'm sure he wasn't getting any commercials doing like Schwinn ads at that point. <laughs> I think they probably <laughs> told him that that was out of it. Sorry, Huffy's not going to hire you this time. Hey, oh, I'm here shucks, to audition for the, my bike career. <laughs> hey, I'm here to audition for the Bowflex commercial. <laughs> <laughs> so please don't say pegs when you're talking about the bike right now. That could be an issue. So uh, next, Les walks in, and Jennifer introduces the two men to each other. Les informs Andy that the last program director lasted 30 minutes before being fired and then quickly runs off. In this point, he's like, he comes up very neurotic because it's very in and out. He's introduced kind of very standoffish towards Andy and then kind of moves along. He also has a head wound that's never explained. He actually has a... Not to jump ahead, I hate playing that game, but he never they never explain it, but he has a bandage on him somewhere different in every episode. Because it just off, disappeared in the middle of the episode, too. Yeah. He doesn't come off as a very strong man, so I can see how he's easily getting hurt a lot. People I forget, too. Up. He's got a very funny actor who plays his wife later on, too, who, like, he's, like, a very henpecked character later in the series, and I think that you maybe get the inference that she's hitting him or something. I don't know. He kind of reminds me of Dwight's friend on The Office, the one that he hires to kill Oscar. Oh, God, yeah. I forget his name, the comedian, but yeah. It just has the receipt for the gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's hiding it and had a lead pipe in the sandwich. In the sub roll. <laughs> So as Les leaves, Andy says something kind of comparing him to her, but I forget exactly what he said. And Jennifer says, at least he's not always pawing and mauling you, consistently, you know, on the make, dying for a steamy one night stand of unbridled passion at some uh, out of the way hotel room. And as she's saying this, she's like watering plants, but like making it so her body is extremely close to Andy's face. So she's talking about how she doesn't like her sexual advances, but is like sticking her chest in his face as she's saying it. But to what end? You know what I mean? Like, 
I don't get her game here. I don't know. Yeah, it was very complicated. I don't know if she was doing that on purpose or if that was just ironic. Because she, it's like sexual harassment tag. Her blocks in and sexually harasses her, and then she comes and sexually harasses Andy. Right, tits in the face, like right in the face. Yeah, like I don't know if it was accidental, like as if she was unaware of the vibe she gives. Like maybe they were saying that you know Herb's advances towards her because he's under the impression that she's maybe into him because she's maybe unaware of things like that that she does to people. But I I don't know. It was a little confusing there. It's confusing. Yeah, you can't say if she. You can't really. I mean, maybe they've left it as a gray area for a reason. But I, I feel like it probably would have been better if they made that a little more defined. I feel like the at honestly at the point when this was made in the mid seventies, it was really just to showcase that she had a good body. Yeah, I mean, she was a big sex symbol at this point. So I she think also, that's what they were aiming for. She also turns around and like gives them some butt too. Not just the boobs in the face. Oh, oh so. she just I offers. Think was, I think it was very much. I think it was very much on purpose. Like, well, she had been. some steaks left over. She's going to hand them to him later as well. <laughs> she was going to, yeah. She was going to give Andy an Omaha steak subscription. Look at the ham hocks on that one. <laughs> I believe that was said when the Undertaker debuted, right? Yes, it was by Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Coked out of his mind saying shit that made no sense at all. <laughs> Poor Vince McMahon's like, uh, uh, okay. So, uh, anyways, you're, uh, she says to him, you're not like that, are you? And he's like, who, me? Heck no. But then she goes, how come? And he's like, I don't know. So maybe there is a little something there because when he's like, no, I'm not like that. I don't make these sexual advances. Her response is, how come? And she wanted his big cowboy ass, you know? I mean, that's a different thing, right? I imagine you don't see a lot of New Mexico cowboys breeze into town in Cincinnati too often. Well, that brings me to a good point. I meant to mention this at the beginning, but has anybody here ever been to Ohio? I've never been. So we went to Cincinnati on the road trip, but it was a drive-through. Yeah. So when we, me, Ferg, and Nick, I think it's been referenced before on the show, but we went on a road trip when we we're like twenty-one and hit a bunch of baseball parks. So we went to Cincinnati to catch a Reds game, but if the whole trip it was the most brief amount of time we spent in the city. We literally like rolled in, <laughs> went to the game, and had to move on to go to Philly. I got pulled over in Ohio last year. We did spend a lot of time in Cleveland, though. Yeah, we, we were also Cleveland. in Cleveland. Yeah. You guys doing the Cleveland steamers over there? I feel like we need that like cricket noise <laughs> to like inject in sometimes. When <laughs> I also just want like a little counter too, like a little like ding every time. <laughs> just no sells it. I, I would say that, but I don't trust any of us with a soundboard. <laughs> Not a live soundboard. I would be no, no, so no, that annoyed. Would get bad. <laughs> We did that on, on the Beantown broadcast, and I think that we had to stop it because we had the Justin Bieber baby. Nick, <laughs> I if you remember. That. Yeah. Wow. And we would like just spam. Baby. baby. From yeah. what I've seen from other shows I've listened to, once, once, you, yeah, once you get the soundboard, you overdo the soundboard, and then people don't want to listen to you anymore. Because we, would turn the- in, uh, we would turn into like a drive time radio zoo show so quickly. If we had that. Bang. Ooga. <laughs> Are we all going to do one? Mama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, let's axe the soundboard right now. <laughs> yeah. So after that exchange between two, uh, Mr. Carlson walks in 
And Andy extends his arm to like give him a handshake, but it's completely ignored. And Mr. Carlson just tells him to step right into his office. And when Andy walks in, Carlson has like a fishing rod in his hand. Again, I don't, I don't think we'll do it too much, but this was another time where like news radio popped into my head. Cause like this was like kind of the wacky boss that vibe I'm getting. He, this character, Mr. Carlson mellows out a little bit throughout the episode. Not that he mellows out, but this isn't really his shtick, but the, the random. The sporting equipment thing just made me think of news radio oh, yeah. and the hockey stick. And yep. so yeah. Tennis what racket. I liked about this is usually I feel like when you go into somebody's office, if they have a golf club, they're evil. You mean like think of the bad guy in uh, the mask, like puts the tea yeah. in his mouth and like, you know, hits the ball off of it. But fishing equipment is just bumbly. Like it makes me think of Dorf. Like you, you can't be evil or like you think of like a... Ben Stiller getting a fish hook in his face by accident or something, right? Like, fishing is so weirdly inherently not threatening. I don't know. I just instantly thought of Beavis and Butthead when they were coach fishing. (laughs) Because he's just in his office fishing for some reason. Yeah, he's, like, just holding it out. Because he addresses it right away. Because he asks Andy if he fishes. And when he finds out that he doesn't, kind of, like, writes that down on a piece of paper. Like, he was taking notes. I didn't like this scene because of that. Well, not just because of that, but they know, like, he's been told, like, this boss fired a bunch of people. You'd think he'd come in kissing ass, like, oh, yeah, I love fishing, even if he's never been. I kind of like that about Andy's character, though, because there's a moment way down the line, and we'll talk about it later, but he doesn't lie to keep his job. He just, he is who he is, and he kind of stands by that. And I do like that about the character. Does anybody else get kind of like a Matthew McConaughey vibe from him? It's the accent. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I think I can see it. Yeah. I think the accent is what tips it off. But yeah, they kind of have a, it's that kind of smooth, cool vibe that goes along with the accent that kind of right, ties yeah. it together. Yeah, he's got big cowboy energy here. Like, just doesn't care. Which uh, I found he interesting. He care. He relocated his whole life to yeah. Cincinnati. He's a cowboy. He just blows with the wind. Well, yeah, like what Ferg was saying, he, he informs uh, Mr. Carlson that like he quit his job in Santa Fe. Got an apartment in Cincinnati, and Mr. Carlson's like, you did? Do you think that was wise? <laughs> it's like, you just hired the guy. Like, what? Some of the jokes were a little weird at times. Like, the joke fit in the line, but it didn't, like, make sense story-wise. I found that that happened a lot in this episode at times. Yeah, this is interesting. I mean, I guess you're trying to put, like, a bunch of wacky characters, and you have to have one person who can anchor it. So it works. I think uh, what what works better in this show a lot is when everybody's in a room together versus when he's one-on-one with people. Yeah, and they kind of start you off with a lot of one-on-one interactions to kind of let you meet all the characters. And I think towards the second half, you see a little bit more ensemble things going on. Yeah, with the meeting. But I do kind of like this, though, because it, it introduces you to each character one by one. Well, yeah, it gives you a minute to kind of learn who everybody is. Yeah. Well, we do a lot of radio. ensemble shows where sometimes you're like, okay, you're spending too much time or you feel like you don't know who the people are. This one does give you a good idea of who everybody is, what their vibe is, what their whole thing is pretty quickly. No, Ferg, you know what? You mentioned news radio here. That was actually one of the things I didn't like about news radio. I felt like in that pilot, everyone was being thrown at you one at a time, but at rapid pace. And someone would just walk in and then like their name would be shout out. <laughs> and you, you're like, what's like, you didn't have enough time to process who somebody was because someone else got thrown at you immediately after. Or here they kind of went the other I approach. J- I just meant how you met 
one character after another after yeah. another. I didn't mean in comparison to quality. And I guess like it makes sense when you think of the type of work environment. Obviously, these are both radio stations, so it there the parallels obviously because of the shows being similar in nature that way. But just that work environment, you're meeting all different people because of just the nature of where you're working. I do love too. I think it's a great premise for any type of show, and a lot of them do it. Like this is a failing business. Why don't we try our best to make it better? And it'll be comical along the way, right? Because you find out this is like a losing enterprise. The office is dirty. It's pretty understaffed. You can tell it's kind of dead in there. I do love the idea of like, oh, we're going to go into this funny situation because it's a dying workplace and then try to build it back up again. I think that works in an ensemble really well. Yeah. Andy tells Mr. Carlson, you know, you promised me a free hand to run this station. And Mr. Carlson says, I should have... I should never use the phone. Cut that thing in half. Just use it for listening. <laughs> which I thought I thought that was actually a good line. I thought that was pretty funny. He kind of reminds me. I can't think of his name, but the boss from uh, Mary Tyler Moore show. Oh, Ed Asner. Ed Asner. Yeah. yeah. He kind of has Ed Asner vibes R. when he R. says something like "cut the phone in half" and just listen to the like. That's a very seems like an Ed Asner joke. Early on, I was having a little bit of trouble with the dynamic between the two because it seemed to shift back and forth. There, there's moments where. Andy should be afraid of him because he's supposed to be this tyrant boss who fires everyone right away. But then he like Mr. Carlson gets very submissive and then very stern again and very submissive again. And I get that because I had the same feeling. And it's not until later you find out why. It's not him. It's the mother, which will come yeah. out later. But I was Doesn't, I had the same yeah. exact feeling as you. It's like I'm like, what? He, I, I couldn't put my finger on this guy who's supposed to be like, I, I, you're fired. Like, but he, he really wasn't like energy. that. He seemed like a nice guy at times. Is the boss in Blazing Saddles is no. the guy who goes, oh, shit, here comes Mongo. No, I don't think that's him now. Okay, because that's who he reminds me of. I thought we just went over his acting credits. He's a yeah. pedophile in the Maytag repairman. <laughs> <laughs> Bike pedophile number one. I'll have to look that up now, but he reminds me of him. He looks just identical to him. Now, do you think he does magic? <laughs> There's a max on the first floor of WKRP. <laughs> so uh, during, during this exchange, Andy tells him that he made a mistake in coming to the station. When Mr. Carlson asked where he's going, he says, I don't know, but I know where you're going. And he tells him, you're going back to playing music that was out of date 20 years ago, and you're losing 100 grand per year. He's like, where'd you get that figure? He's like, from you. He's, oh, oh, yeah. And uh, again, it's that wave that he goes through where he's like very stern and then very submissive. He kind of did that whole thing just in that line when he's wondering where he got that number from. Losing a uh, hundred grand a year in 1978 is a lot of losses to be taking on. Yes. And because of Andy's kind of like retort towards him and his knowledge of the station and where they're at, he kind of changes his attitude a little bit and he asks Andy to sit down. And starts telling him how the station used to make money back when music was music and men were men and fish were fish. Uh, the good old days when fish were fish. Yeah, I don't know what he's saying uh, late 70s fish are like compared to what they were like in the late 50s. But Yeah. Uh, they were spelled with a PH instead. But anybody want to venture a guess at how much $100,000 was worth today versus 1978? I'm going to say $500,000. 380. I won't guess because I was also looking it up as you said, that. <laughs> I like the honesty. Gordon. Yeah, good honesty. Appreciate that. I will say $100,000. $100, yeah. 
I'm going to say it was 250 Just north of $443,000. Closest without going over. Which is crazy considering Johnny said he made that at his old station. Ten like, years earlier. Who, who, ten years earlier? So yeah, because he making, said that was in the late 60s. Yeah, that's true. So, wow. That's an absurd amount of money to be a radio host. Radio, radio had the power. was the new hotness back then. That's true. That was a big Yeah, that's true. It was time. more. Yeah. I mean, basically from the 50s to about 2000 or so, right? I mean, remember how big of a deal it was? If you'd get like regional DJs coming in, like, um, God, who are the guys who said the mayor died and they got fired? Opie and Anthony. Opie and Anthony. People like that still were coming in. Those guys were getting paid a lot of money, you know, and they yeah, would I mean, go even from market like, to market. Even like around here, like Maddie in the morning, Matt Siegel makes like stupid money as far as I know. Yeah, you can still get a good niche and and have a good market and make a bunch of money, you know? Yeah, I think Matt in the morning make makes like a million dollars a year or something like that. Just retired, actually. Yeah, he did, yeah. Oh, just he did? Retired. Yeah, after yeah. 40 years. Yeah, Kind of like unceremoniously. He's like, I'm leaving. Bye. <laughs> but just like as a comparison, like radio was really big back then. You compare it to like TV and Netflix now. Like if you look at the Stranger Things cast, they're making six point one million dollars per episode now. Jeez for- Louise! <laughs> That's also why wow. Netflix is losing money left and right. Yeah, it's also why Stranger Things is canceled. Yes, this <laughs> season. Yeah, they priced themselves right out of that show. I always see though, because sometimes they'll drive down and like, I think there's one on in Route 16 in, in Massachusetts, and there's they're all over the place. But you'll drive by these old little radio stations, and they're just like the um traffic stations now there's just like a computer in there that does everything and they're small and they probably don't have a huge signal they're probably not like fifty thousand watt towers or anything but i'm like how fun would it be just to run a radio station like you probably can't get many ads at this point and you probably wouldn't get many listeners but like this tv show kind of makes me think of how fun airheads is as well right yeah. like i don't know radio stations just seem super fun like i would love to work at a radio station for sure uh, i think like depending on how handcuffed you are as to what you're allowed to play and what you're not, because sure, that'll change I, things a bit. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be playing uh, Mormon Tabernacle Choir versions of Palanca songs at a exactly. radio station for a job, but you know, well, we will touch on that very shortly. Uh, so Andy kind of finds a way to get into Mister Carlson's head a little bit during this uh, exchange and tells him that he knows what kind of man he is. He's like one who hires the right people and then steps aside and lets them run the operation. He's like, son of a gun, you read me like a book. <laughs> and tells Andy that he can be mean and tough. And then says the first decision they're going to have to make is what to do about Mama. Apparently his mother owns the station and he has to answer her for everything. That's and Mama's radio station. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for, I was waiting for it. I was surprised it took that long. I know. And uh he said sometimes Mama scares me a little bit. So Andy asks if his mama wants to make money. Carlson talks about how his mother gets like a look in her eye when she talks about money and there's like a noise that she makes. It was like a clicking noise. I didn't quite get the joke, but interesting. It makes me, I mean, this is so stupid, but uh, in Coneheads, when David Spade is at his desk and he's trying not to speak to the immigrant people, he's like, I'm sorry, when you're talking, all I'm getting is clicking noises. And that's what this made me think of. (laughs) Coneheads is the best goddamn movie ever. I wouldn't say it's the best movie ever, but it's a good movie. And remove the deckle. <laughs> best movie ever is uh, Bench Warmers. Oh, I don't know about that one. 
Do you think Benchwarmers is better than Conehead? It's a very good movie, but I don't think it's in my top 100. It's a chop in my top top five. After Larry the Cable Guy Health Inspector? (laughs) I was going to say, Gordo's (laughs) Wall is Larry the Cable Guy poster next to Benchwarmers. Oh, what was the other movie made us watch that time? Norbit? (laughs) With Eddie Murphy? (laughs) Norbit is funny. Yeah, Norbit is funny. Norbit is funny. It was just one of those movies that I was surprised Gordo was like, guys. Everybody sit down. We have to watch Norbit. Okay. (laughs) It's a good movie. It was good. It was funny. So Andy ensures him that he's going to turn the station around, which convinces Mr. Carlson to give him free reign to do as he pleases with the station. He then tells him where his office is, but before he walks off, asks if one of the changes wouldn't necessitate the playing of rock and roll. And he says, possibly, and then walks off. And we get the, dear God, she's going to kill us all. For Mr. Carlson, you know, talking about his mother, um, it, it was like, it seems kind of weird. Like, I, I get it's even now for the 70s, it seemed a little weird to be like, you're not going to play that rock and roll music, are you? I just felt like that would have been like a 50s type of thing. Well, I mean, we're going to get to it in very soon, but they, they, there's a lot of this weird thing. That sounds like rock and or roll. <laughs> I was thinking that. This is a great time for rock and roll music, too. Like, this is, like, prime time where, like, if you put on a a regular FM rock station at this point, you'd get, like, Tom Petty, Bruce Springsteen, Elvis Costello. Like, there was so much good music happening at this point. But none of it, when you think of it, is, like, offensive rock and roll, right? Like, the idea of, like, Born to Run comes on and you're like, oh, my God, no. Well, he does put up a Kiss poster. He does. He puts up a kiss poster of them dressed up like the bicentennial, which I thought was pretty amazing. Uh, One of the gags. Very surprised by that. Not to jump ahead, but one of the gags in the show was they always have posters on the wall and they change a lot because, you know, record companies and stuff would send them stuff to put up. Like promotional. So when we were in high school, one of the posters they have on their wall is the poster behind me there of the beat. And I looked for it for years and I just could not find it and found it. Uh, maybe a year ago, right before we moved in to this place, and it's the stupidest size ever. And I had to buy a frame from like Europe to make it fit. But uh, yeah. So sitting this way, you'll I have like a picture I found online of the episode too. But a weird WKRP thing that I thought about recently. Maybe we can uh, screen grab a picture of you, and then we'll inject the screen grab from the show and try to throw it on our stories at S one E one Pod on Instagram. So be sure to check that out. Yeah, we can recreate the scene of her watering the plant with her tits in his face, only it'll be Joe looking at his uh, his poster. I can be watering my uh, my cactus in here, if you want. You don't water a cactus. Occasionally you do. Just not often, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do it like once a month. I can show you guys meat in a supermarket. <laughs> 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 so uh, the next scene, Andy walks into his office, and let's like talk about this office real quick, because it's pretty shitty. It just looks like a storage closet with a couch and a desk. I actually expected a smaller office, to be honest with you. Yeah, you had a pretty nice couch. It is it a was, nice couch. Was it leather, I think? Yeah, leather. it just it wasn't the size of the office. It was that it's not an office. It's like they just had a makeshift make an office, so they just threw a desk somewhere. Yeah, it's like a it's like a teacher's desk and then a bunch of filing cabinets. But well, isn't that what somebody an had is? the job before him? Where was his office? Like, I think that is the office. No, I'm not debating it. It just. It didn't look like an office. That was the thing that confused me. Offices were just shittier back then. 
<laughs> Those old go style. Well, honestly, he's not wrong because there was way more like physical things you needed to store as far as paper and stuff goes. So it's just fucking filing cabinets everywhere. So you, mean, you get less wall space, floor space. Up until even the past 20 years, certain giant office buildings had floor, like people like I'll use the example because it was so big, but the World Trade Center, there were entire floors of the World Trade Center that were companies occupied. You know, they rented the offices out, but there was no people down there. It was strictly paper storage because you have to have all your files and everything. Right. And those were like an acre per floor. So, uh, you know, think of how much office space is saved now just by the nature of not having to have that much physical stuff around. Good, because there's so many people now. <laughs> but then nobody goes to an office, so all those buildings are just empty anyway. Yeah, there's just empty buildings while everyone's sitting at home working on yep. Zoom conferences. Yeah, so as he's settling in, someone walks in to introduce himself, and he says, I'm Johnny Caravella, also known as Johnny Midnight, Johnny Cool, Johnny Duke, Johnny Style, and Johnny Sunshine. You can call me Johnny. And he has, like, this mug that says Johnny on the top, and it has, like, all his various, like, names <laughs> over the years. Yeah. I might make this on, like, T Public or something. I'm It'd be a good mug in real life. Yeah, yeah, I'm surprised that mug's not available. I-, I guess it's just, like, the show doesn't have, like, a syndication run right now, because as far as I know, it's not anywhere. Which is I mean, crazy whenever I think of shows like this where I'm like, some network owns this. And that network has a streaming service. So why wouldn't you? And it's been digitized because it's on DVD. So you well, have to use digital masters. I think what when you're I was seeing... looking it up, it was on Roku's streaming service, like Roku TV. So they, ha- they have it on that. Interesting. I think probably you're running into a Drew Carey issue where there's oh, probably the too much unlicensed music. There was a lot of licensed That could music. be. They do. Yeah, there is a lot of music nature of the show. So that could be a that's a good point. I mean, one of the big things the show is credited for is sort of breaking uh, Blondie's Heart of Glass because they played it so often on the show that it like, you know, how many people were watching a major sitcom in 1979 or whatever, right? And then if you look at later episodes, they actually gave them a gold record for helping them so much. So you can see like the Blondie Parallel Lines record and the like, gold record in the office oh, nice. after that. But like because of that, I'm sure that Blondie is now like, well, you have to pay us for the song, right? Like, you can't just put it on a DVD. So I wonder if those just all have generic music now. That'd be a, that'd be kind of a bummer. This show wouldn't work the same if they had to use, like, just... If they had to, like, re-record musical tracks to, like, put in certain areas. Because even in this episode... Rock music. Yeah, because even in this episode, like, some of the music was used very specific to the scene. So, and, and they're reacting to the song. So, how do you just switch it out? It would look like Saved by the Bell when they're trying <laughs> to dance to no music. Yeah. No, I mean it's that Mormon Tabernacle Choir coming for their coming for their money. <laughs> coming for their money. Well, the churches are always the most litigious. You owe the church some money. <laughs> so uh, to go back to Johnny, he says, "Mind if I sit down?" But he's already sitting down. This is a joke that we will see used many times in this episode, where he does something and then asks if it's okay, and he and- tells. We're just going to say, just if we're going through them, like everybody knows Howard Hessman, right? The actor. I mean, Nick can mention that he knew Johnny Fever, but he's in a billion things. Uh, recently passed, is... correct? Say it again. He recently passed? Yeah, January. It was a bummer. But he's uh, Captain Lassard in Police Academy 2, the Bobcat Goldthwaite villain Police Academy, which is fantastic. <laughs> well, speaking of things. that, Jay, how's your Bobcat Goldthwaite? the worst Goldthwait? one? Two's uh, my favorite one. Of course no, no, it's, it got, it's getting worse. Was it's he in uh, Head of okay. the Class? He was. He was the first teacher in Head of the okay, Class, which is thought, definitely yeah. another one we should do in that block of like weird teen school shows. Mm-hmm. And um, Dr. Detroit, which I don't know if anybody's seen that movie before. 
I'm going to say no. no. It's uh, him and Dan Aykroyd, mid-80s. Uh, also, a great theme song by Devo. Sing it for us. Uh, no, but I will do Dan Aykroyd's <laughs> voice in that movie instead. <laughs> he plays like a robot pimp, and he just the entire movie goes, I'm sold. All right, we should have a Dr. Detroit listening uh, or watching party one day. Yeah, well, send me a clip. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a quick watch. So he tells Andy that he's the morning man and he had just got off the air and also informs him that he deals with insomnia. And as he's talking about the like way his sleep patterns work, he's already going from sitting to laying on the couch. And he tells him like that he has like this very tight window to sleep in. So this coffee keeps him as sharp as a tack. Um, but he's already like half asleep as he's talking about how wonderful this coffee does uh, for him. He does a great job of playing like he's just like a 60s burnout, right? Like you can tell that he's just like washed up hippie guy. Oh, yeah. He's he lived a lot of his, life. He also uses his joke again, mind if I lay down when he's already laying down. Yeah, it's like I said, he uses it many times throughout the episode. But uh, as they're talking, Andy recognizes Johnny and he's trying to figure out like from where. And eventually it clicks Johnny's sunshine, Boss Jock. He was on a station in Los Angeles in the late 60s. He tells him like he was very hot, like when he was in that region, but something happened. Uh, the station fired you from some reason, he said. And this his... is Gordo's favorite part of the episode. He does not seem to yeah. uh, enjoy this part very much at all. Yeah. Well, what no. I, I liked his, his original response before he even gets into what happened. He says, well, I'll tell you something, baby. They all fire you sooner or later, which I think in that in that industry is very true. Like a lot of those DJs kind of just pop from city to city to city. Yeah, it's pretty transient yeah. lifestyle. Yeah, like most of like your favorite radio hosts around here were in another city at some point in time, and then they just migrate over eventually when there's an opening. Mine it's is like, Sammy Hagar. What's he like on like the Boneyard on Sirius or something like that? Or no, he he's on actual... um, he's on WAAF. Oh, okay. But it's like they just like bought a syndicated show of his. Oh, right? yeah. He's sure, not like yeah. he's not like driving to Lynn and like popping <laughs> yeah. in and doing a show. <laughs> I thought WAAF was gone. No, I'm it's sorry. The only no, no, one no. What left. was? What is the um the classic rock? ZLX. ZLX. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. WZLX. Um, and then D Snyder too. Like when we used to get it from the Providence station. Yeah, D Snyder's hair metal show. Yeah. What are your guys' favorite DJs currently on the radio right now? I don't listen to the radio anymore. That's like a bygone era for me now. I, I, I really only listen to sports. I like Toucher and Ridge a lot. I actually did pop over to Maddie in the morning sometimes. Just, you know, if I was driving, I was sick of Spotify or something like that. It, it was entertaining. Um, uh, I listened to, a, I mean, I don't know if anybody remembers Storm and Birdsy on BCN way back in the day. They I were do. hilarious. We used to listen to them, Joe, when we pumped gas. They were on that little yep. radio. There's a lot of good ones coming in and out of Boston, but it's just, uh, like we said, it's just dying now. It's not really. I've just moved on a podcast. We as we are recording a podcast now. Yeah, I mean the they are of, they are different though. I mean you have yeah, the but, live aspect, which I think is a, a big difference between the two. You get to interact with the people who are listening to you. You get to do things you can't do when you pre-record. Um, sure, but there's like an element of convenience in what works for you. Like so, you mentioned Toucher and Wrench years ago. I used to listen to their show like on my commute. And then my job changed and I couldn't listen to it because I commuted before they went on the air and then I'm at work and I can't listen to them. So then now I don't have any way to listen to that show unless there's a podcast version. So there is actually on Spotify. Well, radio well now, yeah, a lot of these, right a lot of these radio stations have kind of converted because of what's happening with radio. Well, relating like the, to what we're doing now is they were really 
like they were a great uh, like show, and then they were forced to change format to Sports Hub. Yeah, there's a lot of parallels yeah, to what this true. show is. They were is just right like here. shock jocks for a while, and then they had to make a big pivot that they handled pretty well in hindsight. So it's pretty smooth. Yeah, yeah. It's it's for me, it's rock. less enjoyable. That's that's my my issue. Well, I, that's I the thing is I don't I don't get to listen to it often, so I will go to the podcast sometimes. The first hour of their show usually they understand that between six and seven people aren't really doing much, so they don't talk any sports. So the first hour of that show is like old Tetra and Rich. It's pretty good. So uh, to pivot back, mm, booger. Are you doing the booger man voice? I am doing the booger yeah. man voice. Well, okay. So Gordo just said it. Booger is the reason that uh, Johnny got fired for saying booger over the radio, which it's even Ridiculous. in different even in different times, right? Like obviously, like what's acceptable language always morphs through the years, and you know things kind of come and go. But I don't think there was ever a time where booger was seen as offensive. Maybe he said something much worse, but didn't want uh, his new boss to look at him at in a new the, in a b- bad light. The full line was, "I like to flick boogers off my dick." <laughs> yeah, like that's the only time I could see like boogers getting you fired. But I flick it off his dick. Now here's the newest from Creedence Clearwater. <laughs> like uh, I don't think so, man. <laughs> yeah, but like if you were just like, "Oh my god, that's a booger," or like if you're like a radio DJ, you'd be like. <clears throat> Oh my god! That's <laughs> Did you just? <laughs> I feel like for a second you quantum leaped into being a DJ. Like I don't know what your brain just. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> booger! That's right, boys and girls. We have a booger here so, on my dick. Apparently, you sound like my <laughs> favorite. Uh, my favorite DJ, Casey Kasem. Casey Kasem. Kasem. I used to like Casey Kasem, but then now that I'm not a teenager anymore, I just can't relate to him, so I don't listen (laughs) to him. I I get that. (laughs) When we were like, when we were in high school, just dancing at the local diner, uh, hoping to be on a Casey Kasem dance party, then yes. But, and uh, for those of you who are very confused by what you're hearing us say, (laughs) go back. We just covered Saved by the Bell very recently. So, you know, just scroll down a little bit on the feed and you'll find the Saved by the Bell episode. Give that a listen if you haven't already. RIP the eatery. The, that was our diner. Oh, that was our diner. I guess yeah. a, a local reference. I, uh, I, t- I was like, "Who's that?" Yeah. So we talked about this earlier. He said he was making a hundred grand a year over there, and then one day he said "booger," and after that, a bunch of uh, who he described as bozos called the station, and next thing he knew, he was in Amarillo hosting a garden show. Uh, bozo is a term that doesn't get used much anymore, but a, a good one. I'm sure yeah. Joe uses it. I don't. But I do enjoy Bozo. <laughs> Is there a Bobo version of Bozo that you use? The Bobo Bozo. <laughs> you Bobozo. So uh, he then asks if he can have a coffee, but again, he's asking after he already poured himself one. I was a little confused here. So Andy steps in his office for the very first time in the scene. Why does he have like a full thing of coffee already just sitting there? Maybe his secretary made it. No one Maybe. even knew he was coming. Like, so he has this full thing of coffee in his office already set up. Maybe that's just where they keep the coffee maker because it's kind of a small office and it's empty in there. Yeah, nobody was in there. It's got a couch, so maybe it uh, like, was a break room. And I can only hope that uh, Joe wasn't the person put in charge of making the coffee. As long as nobody pulls the fucking coffee pot out before it's ready, we'll all be good. I was going to say, I would hope he would because it would get made right. That's right. Thank you, Ferg. Why, with hot creamer in it? <laughs> that's only if there was a Keurig and that's not a couple of yeah, Keur- yeah Keurigs didn't exist yet so yeah so he basically tells him that from Amarillo 
he then ended up in Denver, Boise, Fargo, but he never thought he'd end up in WKRP in Pitts, in Cincinnati. And this is rock bottom as he describes it. Pretty, pretty no. big dig on a show when you're like building it because you know they have these shows where like it takes place in a city a lot of times the city will sort of rally around it right like we mentioned drew carey show earlier right like they do cleveland rocks as the intro they're very pro cleveland the people of cleveland sort of rally around the show the office in scranton the office in scranton I don't, I don't cheers think, in boston i don't think he was shitting on cincinnati i think he was shitting on their radio station in cincinnati Maybe that's a, that's a good point. Yeah, maybe he was just saying having to play shitty easy listening is the nightmare. I was yeah. going to say, what kind of a radio station is this? Is this established at this? Like, I know that the whole point of this episode is to change the formatting of this that we'll get to later, you know, very shortly. But what is this radio station? Like easy listening and like church music. Yeah, I think when, when we see Johnny later on, it kind of gives you a vibe for the general kind of music that they're playing. Right. Like I imagine there's like some sort of uh, like Lawrence Welk type of orchestra stuff too. But I mean, at one point he refers to their fan base as Doughboys and Doughboys are veterans of World War One. Also, so, their, um, oh, okay. their sponsors are all like elderly, like elderly homes. homes yeah. So if you were a World stuff, War One veteran, World War One ended in 1919. So if you were 18 years old and enlisted in the last year of that war, at the time of this episode, you'd be almost 80. So their fan base is pretty up there. So I imagine it's like whatever was popular then. So we like Andrew's sisters, Lawrence Welk, and church music and stuff. Easy listening. Okay, so it's like the Memory Channel. Do you remember that? Oh, I love the Memories Channel. That we had here in Cambridge. Like yeah. just some guy playing, you know, uh, that has a license for some weird reason out of Cambridge and plays like this style of music. I always love them because they'd be like, if you have requests, email them to the memories channel at AOL.com. I'm like, what year is this? <laughs> You're advertising this AOL email address. And you can find us at um, the memory channel at geocities.net. People still actively use AOL email addresses. It's insane. Yep. It's kind of wild. My mom. <laughs> I used to work with someone that did. And um, every once in a while, they'd like open it. I'd you've got mail. I go, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> So at this point, Les joins the office, and he says, I'm Les Nessman, winner of five regional broadcasting awards. And he tells Andy that he wanted a chat, but he had to get on the air with the hog futures. What are hog futures? Uh, similar to stock futures. Yeah. But they involve farm animals in the Midwest. That is something that is relevant to the economy. Today, still, yeah. I think, oh. too. Yeah. You know, yeah, in trading yeah, yeah. places, but the whole thing that they're trying to tank at the end where they go into the stock market. Pork bellies. Yeah, it's pork bellies. It's hog futures and orange juice futures. So it's like a big thing, commodities that are traded. Huh. Okay, well, now I learned something. Uh, Johnny <laughs> replies by saying, hogs have futures, I don't. And Andy says that earlier in the morning, he got the vibe that he had rubbed Les the wrong way. Les kind of insisted that it wasn't the case. He just had to get to the hogs. I'm a little confused here because he was definitely being super aggressive towards him <laughs> in the beginning of the episode. Well, it's explained well, later because yeah. he wanted the job. That, well, so we think, yeah. Uh, Herb then joins and introduces himself, says he can't talk, has meetings all day long, but they'll get together really soon, and then heads right out, gives a little out of the way, Les, as he's leaving, and Les finds his way out, too, 
Uh, and as he leaves, says, good day and may the good news be yours. I thought it was very odd. He, like for his for sign not being on-air personality. Yeah, that probably is his sign-off. But he doesn't uh, do on-air stuff. That's what's weird about it. You know what I mean? Like, if he was a radio guy, he does. he'd be like, oh, I, he's going to sign he off. Does. He does. He does. He does that whole radio thing. The helicopter thing. Oh, I thought you were talking about Herb coming in. No, 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 Les. When Les, Les leaves, right. that was like his sign-off. And after they leave, Andy says, what was all that about? And uh, 2A now dead asleep, Johnny. And he has his like mug propped up to his mouth, almost like he fell asleep mid-sip. And uh, <laughs> he goes, Johnny's like, oh, am I on? <laughs> <laughs> and then I, yeah, like, I thought this reaction was really good. That that got me. That that made me laugh. I thought he played that really well. Because he like wakes up in a panic. He's like, Who are you? And Andy asks, What's up with those two guys? He's like, What two guys? He's he hasn't gotten out of like uh abruptly woken up yet. He's so he's just in a very state of confusion. This is definitely Hesman's best scene too, where he asks if he's a cop and everything, where he's like really on on point in this whole part of the scene. Uh and, and when he finally comes to, he's like, Oh, so what? nasty this morning and nice now he's like come on andy you've been around before they were up for your job this is what you know you guys were pointing towards earlier and les wants an all news and hog format herb wants an all talk show format johnny personally was hoping for an all hawaiian format what would it be all all hawaii like all ukulele music like tiny tim like island music or um island boy like lap steel (laughs) joe has no idea what you just said ferg Are those those guys with the big, thick hair? Yes. Good for you! Okay, see, I know something. Proud of you. I watched them read a... I only know who they are because somebody posted them doing one... What are the... A cameo. And it was them basically reading, like, at a zero comprehension level off of a piece of paper. And, like, somebody paid for this, and it was like, go see them play. (laughs) It's like, is this an act? Are these people famous? What the fuck is happening? From what I hear, though, on Cameo, they will say anything. <laughs> Maybe we can get the <laughs> Island Boys. Maybe we could pay the Island Boys to do, like... Well, we, sure we can pay them. We can pay them. It's a matter of if that is money well spent or not. <laughs> but we certainly can pay them. <laughs> What's their hair? They look like... Uh, like palm fuzzy, trees? Yeah, like big bananas. They look like Sideshow Bob. They do. They definitely look like they're in the Sideshow family. <laughs> like Sideshow Melon Bob. The Bart V. <laughs> so uh, to pivot back, Johnny then asks Andy what he had in mind for the station. Andy's like, oh, I don't know. Haven't quite decided yet. But as he's saying that, he's revealing that he's putting up a giant kiss poster. You know, you mentioned kiss. earlier. It'd be funny if this was like a swerve, though, and he was just like, we're going to do disco. It's like, oh, <laughs> bummer. <laughs> just keep playing I the was disco made album. for loving you, baby. My favorite Kiss song. Is it really? Yep. Is it really? That's, that's no. a really? odd choice. I mean, it's a I, catchy song. I don't even mind the song, but to say it's your favorite Kiss I song. I love all Kiss, and I, I, rec- I acknowledge it's very different from everything else they do. I just love that song. It's my go-to in karaoke. I would say my favorite Kiss song <laughs> is probably thing. Love Gun. I think it's, it's a great Gun. song, too. Love Gun's great. It's got that uh, super catchy snare drum part. That yeah, that's what gets you. It's just like yeah. it really hooks you. But uh, I have a soft models. spot, though, for Hair Metal Kiss. Yeah, it is featured in Role Models, too. So Can't believe my eyes. A Minotaur. <laughs> Taste the Beast. And uh, so when he says that he's... Well, when it's revealed that he's looking to go towards a rock format... Johnny's like, listen, do you know about Carlson's mother? He's like, uh-huh. He's like, you're going to love it in Amarillo. 
And uh, as he's leaving, he's like, listen, you don't mind if I leave. And he's already out the door at this point. So, again, they, they use this joke a lot, almost too much, but I think it was fine. They teetered the line. They, it was they very If it was there, something was he right always time. did for the rest of the show, it would be too much. But in this instance, I think it's fine. So the next scene, Johnny is asleep at the DJ booth as the song is finishing up. And he kind of like reaches over as it like the way you would reach for an alarm clock to take the needle off the vinyl. And then he gets on the mic to announce that uh, like the song that was just played and had to like spin the record label to read it because he had no idea what was just on. I thought it was like I thought this was funny, but then I thought it was too far when they go back later and do the joke and he has to look at his mug to remember his name that may be a little too well i I see why they did it we'll we'll touch on it i thought he did a lot of really good physical acting here like the way he plays the physical stuff with the words it was really all tied in very well yeah he's by far my favorite character on that the episode oh i would say for sure yeah and not to jump ahead or i know our drinking game but I feel like you have to have him be like this for the whole episode so that it has more impact when he becomes... That's a good point, yeah. Johnny Fever at the end. Right. Yeah. Uh, so from there, it leads to an ad spot, and he looks for, like, the tape to play the commercial and has to, like, slap it in the in the deck to play. The 8-track. I was going to say, was it an 8-track? I wasn't sure because yeah. they looked yes. big yeah. for 8-tracks. I think there's something specific called carts or what yeah. they used on the radio, and they used them even up until, yeah, maybe even... Before, right before things went digital, but I know that they were like, you can make them too. So there's some sort of like a a tape of sorts, right? Because you could record on. Yeah, it I think it was it. basically like a an eight track enclosure that you could have recorded yourself. Like, I'm not, I know what you mean. Like, it is something that is made specifically for the commercial instead of just like an eight track that you would buy. But I think right. it, it's like essentially the same technology though. I that assume it was just yeah, easier for these sponsors. They can record on one of those and just send them into the stations. Right, and, yeah. If you get a bunch made from some duplication company and then you send them out to however many stations you need to. Yeah, and um, so he finally gets playing. And he as it's playing, he, he goes right back to, like, rest again. But the ad is for Shady Hills Rest Home. And it starts with, like, many people ask this age-old question. What happens when I can no longer feed myself? <laughs> I can no longer <laughs> feed myself. And it's like... Again, it's a real indicator to who their listener base is uh, when this is your your go-to ad. And this is, again, the thing that I think it has. I mean, we're not going to debate the merits of is this better than news radio or not, right? That's obviously a a taste thing. But I do think that one thing that news radio would have been better for was to have this sort of real audio from the radio station playing more often. Instead of that, we did get Phil Hartman doing uh, rocket fuel malt liquor ads, which are way (laughs) better than anything you'll ever do. God damn. But uh, I love this uh, sort of authentic. You just hear this weird stuff in the background. And then from there, we meet the character Bailey for the first time. Uh, She walks in and John is like, Bailey, you've come to feed me. And she's like, no, I just have today's commercials. And like asks if she can watch him work, which he was cool with and asks her how like the weather was and she tells him it's raining so he clicks back over and you can like hear the end of the commercial for the rest home where it just kind of ends with so call shady hills today remember there just might not be a tomorrow <laughs> which is so dark yeah very dark for a commercial spot just and got then, me to laugh like the commercial spot yeah it's funny 
So, and when Johnny goes to the weather, he's, he starts talking about, oh, it's raining buckets. And she's like shaking her head. No, he's like, uh, in other parts of the state. This was really and, good. I like this a lot, actually. The, they worked yeah. well together. It was good physical comedy and very good timing. Yeah. Yeah. And then he was talking about how, like, you know, sunny skies will return by noon. And again, it's like, nope, but not here. <laughs> so uh, bring her, uh, an umbrella. You might not need it. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought that was a, a really good uh, back and forth gag with them. And it I was almost little... seems cruel if your entire listening base is an older, easily confused population that you're just <laughs> fucking with them at this point, not telling them any real weather. I don't see any rain. The uh, the dynamic between Johnny and Bailey, I was a little confused by early on because her wanting to just sit and watch him work gave me the impression that she was into him. But I don't think that that's really what they meant for that. I got she's the up and comer, almost like a um intern, intern, and yeah. she wants to just see a professional. She's yeah, in that line of work, she wants to be on the radio, and this is a professional, and they're friends, and she gets to sort of see it in action. Okay. Okay, yeah, I guess I, because like, when I was reading it that way, I was, it's like, it doesn't make sense, because they're not really throwing anything else at you to make you think that they are, there's chemistry between the two of them like that. So that although, does make a lot of sense. Although the line, are you here to feed me, is a little confusing. Yeah. So uh, after he does the weather report, he says that, you know, it's now time to listen to one of his personal favorites uh, from uh, the Hallelujah Tabernacle Choir with their rendition of You're Having My Baby. Uh, Joe, you mentioned earlier a Paul Anka song. <laughs> what uh, a lovely way of saying how much you love me. Yeah, so this is an interesting song, and I don't know if the rest of you uh, know much about it. It was once voted the number one worst song of all time in a poll conducted by CNN in 2006. <laughs> it's a terrible song. And the song is basically about how, like, parts of the song are about how you could have aborted this baby, but you didn't because you love me so much. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> um, okay. It, it You're did. the woman I love, and I love what it's doing to you. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's fucking wild. It, uh, what it, year was this made? 76, I want to say. Right around, yeah, when this episode came out. Um, it did okay. make it to number 28 in the Billboard Top 100, so it wasn't like a... It was a pretty decent hit. It's just a very strange song when you d- dissect the lyrical content. I like their next song, uh, Euthanize My Mom. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he, and I thought this was funny because I couldn't find if the Hallelujah Tabernacle Choir was like a real thing or not, or if they recorded this specifically for the episode, which I imagine they did because I couldn't find it when I looked it up. I think it's the guy who did the uh, the music for the show. Good, because I would hope so, because as soon as they play it, they are very clearly shitting on it. <laughs> so I'm yeah. like, how not cool would that be if you license your song to a television show and then you go to watch it and Just the whole purpose was shit on it, for yeah. them to make fun of you? Yeah, I feel like this must have been a pretty big joke at the time, though, right? Uh, yeah, yeah people were probably getting on the song in general. Mid-song, Andy walks in and tells Johnny that they've decided to change format. And, like, right now, midday. And Johnny says he doesn't have any records for that. And Andy's like, well, now you do. And he hands him, like, the small stack of of uh, vinyl. I was a little confused as far... I keep saying that. I was a little confused. I, I wasn't, like, perplexed this whole episode. But moving forward... I don't get it. Yeah, huh? <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> this, uh... He gives him, like, a stack of... You know, full albums like 33s. Wouldn't you be using like all 45s at a radio station? 
depends on what you're what you're doing. Um, because if you you could play deep cuts, you could play whatever. Yeah, you can play album tracks if you want. I think the main issue is, hey, starting now, this 24-hour radio station is going all rock and roll. Here is seven albums that compromises if you played them back to front, three and a half full hours of music. Like, is he then hopping in his car to go down to a record store to buy, like, Probably. 50 more albums? I was thinking because the same thing. Probably. Yeah, it's like, this is my, not enough. <laughs> my issue with it is the format change midday. Because right now, people aren't listening at all other than the elderly. You're changing midday, so you're going to lose that audience. Now, no one's listening. Wouldn't you advertise for at least, like, a month? That, you hey, a format change. Hey, young people. Even like, a week. Do something, yeah. Because, yeah. exactly, no rock fan was casually listening to WKRP midday and then like, oh, wait, I love this song. Like, finally, I've been hate listening to this all day. And now finally, now I'm going like. to put on two radios. Well, listen. I mean, all right. So to, to play the other side of the coin here, imagine you're driving in your car and you're trying to look for stations to listen to. Like the opening of the a, show. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you hear a song that you do like, and then you realize, oh my God, it's WKRP in Cincinnati. That's true, because you are moving the dial at this point in time. It's not like it's all digital presets. So there a is lot of a, cars wouldn't have had a tape of, option yet. Yeah, the likelihood of finding it by like happenstance, like, it's possible. That's a really good point, Gordo. And Thank then you. people working too. You've got people who are like construction workers or like doing stuff, you know, that you just have a radio on in the background. You're probably flipping around all day. So you've got a good contingent of people. How many more people at that point were listening to the actual, you know, physical radio, terrestrial radio? You probably get a bunch of people within the first couple of days just by finding it. You know, at that point, though, it's all about your yeah. song selection, right? Because you want to make sure you're playing stuff that people that would pull them in. Yeah, for sure. And once he hands them the records, Johnny's like, you know, it's been a long time since I've worked on a rock station. Maybe I'm not the right guy for this. Maybe you need to find someone 15 years younger. And despite all this like pushback, Andy insists, no, Johnny, you're the guy. And he's like, just do it. And then tells Bailey to join him in a meeting, um, which she was a little taken back by. She's never gone to a meeting before. He tells her, you know, that's been a mistake, which she agrees. And we touched on it earlier. I'm not sure what her role was in the station at this point in time. She might have been intern. Might have been an intern. I think she is. But also, it's a smart move, right? Because you're like, hey, we're going to start this rock and roll radio station. Everybody in here is older. This girl is younger. She's the person who has the sort of closer to the pulse of what's actually going on, right? So you want that perspective. Yeah. I mean, especially when you're about to enter a meeting with, like, Les and Herb, who are not rock and roll guys at all to begin with. So, And do you guys think it's strange, though, that this cowboy is really into rock music. I would have assumed country just by what I've seen from him throughout the episode until the kiss post there. No, he could be a rock and roll cowboy. Yeah, they're rock and roll cowboys. I mean, this is 78, so you've got like the sort of outlaw country guys who were playing, you know, you've like a David Allen Coe and Waylon Jennings. They were all sort of what dipping about, their like, toes into rock and roll. Leonard Skinner. And the, and the market wasn't oversaturated with like ridiculous amounts of shitty country either like it was just a yeah, there wasn't was 40 know, fake so, country stations yeah in every it was city. like a select few so that was when and, country was country and fish was fish i agree <laughs> <laughs> those were the days <laughs> uh <laughs> as andy and bailey are heading out andy turns to johnny before he actually leaves and he tells them he could even say booger if he wants to i do appreciate oh, that he's like well fuck i'm gonna say it <laughs> 
He's like, wait, wait. Yeah, it's like he he wasn't sure if he was fit for this role. He's like, wait, maybe I'm a little too old. I don't know. It's like, wait, I can say booger again? <laughs> I'm in. Johnny turns to the turntable and says it's goodbye to the elevator music and then rips the record he was about to play in half. Uh, Joe, I need to go to you for this one, our resident vinyl guy, as, as you are sitting in front of a, a ton of vinyl, you know, right now. Can you easily snap it in half that quickly and that effortlessly? It looked no. like it, it like ripped like paper. Yeah, you, know, you could never rip a record like that, like paper. You have to uh, like put some force and it will snap at you, right? Yeah, you could snap one. I mean, the only thing that you could break really easily like that would be like an actual wax record. But they haven't made them like that in 50 or 60 years, right? So um, maybe maybe the next scene was just, oh, I'm so glad about that prop record. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> hold on one second. I, uh, I might have like a weird random record in here. Let's see. Are you going to rip it? Yeah, we're gonna break a record. Nice. I don't know why I kept this around, but sometimes when you buy records from people, they'll shove other records into the boxes, like thickener, to like stiffen up the records so they don't break them. So this one is Elaine Page's Christmas, and I just thought the cover was funny, so I kept it around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is this a UK exclusive? See, it sold for five ninety nine pounds. This is. Oh, I want French, a cut of that money, Elaine. We just gave you free advertising. Oh, this picture is great, though. <laughs> Save the sleeve. Yeah, I forget. This is definitely a foreign order. Where's the record from? It's German. So. Okay. He's all right. He's ripping it. <laughs> Come on, muscles. It reminds me of that scene in Napoleon Dynamite when the guy's trying to break the that Tupperware. He's trying to rip the Tupperware. <laughs> it's so. That's exactly what I was thinking. Try to like, give it like a little bifold. See if uh. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, it's gonna snap me in the face. Bend it the I was gonna say, bow it out, bow yeah. it out, don't bow it in, because then it'll snap towards your eye. <laughs> Ferg's, <laughs> Ferg's covering his face like he's gonna jump in the screen. <laughs> oh! <laughs> <laughs> that noise was so good. <laughs> oh. Okay, so that works. How many pounds of pressure do you think that was? A lot. a lot. I yeah. was really pushing that. I'm going to say in comparison to um, what we saw on the episode, we can debunk that fact. <laughs> um, it's a Graham clip, I'm going to find out that was like a rare collectible in two years. Like, <laughs> $400 record. <laughs> that album was released the day she died. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. So uh, we will definitely have to put that clip on our social media. So again, S1E1Pod on Instagram and anywhere else who uh, want to find us. If any of our listeners want a piece of the record, let me know. Yeah, we'll send you. Joe will sign it. Joe, you got any paint pens? <laughs> I'm sure I can find one. I'm definitely going to be working in here tomorrow barefoot and step on the world's <laughs> sharpest <laughs> shard of that and just scream. I fucking know it. Sign a cannoli Joe. Fresher, fresher, fresher. The sound of a record cutting my foot in half. <laughs> oh man, two of those in one—that's great. So, um, so then uh, Johnny looks at the record that's playing, and he takes a minute to just stare at it, and then he says to himself, "Do it!" And he takes the needle and just drags it across the record, scratching it up, and gets on the microphone. And that's when he's like, "And I feel like I'm going to sound like a weirdo reading what he said, but..." All right, Cincinnati, it is time for this town to get down. Now you've got Johnny, and he thinks for a second because he has to change his name again. Dr. Johnny Fever, and I am burning up in here. Woo! (laughs) 
We all in critical condition, babies. But you can tell me where it hurts. <laughs> oh, that sounds weird. <laughs> <laughs> Isolate that one. Because I got a healing prescription here from the big KRP musical medicine cabinet. Now I'm talking about your 50,000 watt intensive care unit, babies. So just sit right down, relax, open your eyes real wide and say, give it to me straight, doctor. I can take it. And then he starts playing a record and he's like excitingly moving around. He really like for a guy who is dead and asleep the entire time, you know, we've known him so far is coming alive with this format change. And then he sits back down and grabs the mic and says, booger. (laughs) (laughs) See that, that payoff is worth it though, because Mm -hmm. all the booger talk at first, you're like, I don't get this, but then he, he does bring it back around. Also, what kind of medic, what kind of medical DJ school do you have to, to be a doctor, Johnny fever? (laughs) I think he actually graduated with Dr. Feelgood. No, that makes sense. Also, one thing, it just reminded me when you said it, Jay, because of the way you enunciated it, but one thing we haven't talked about is the joke of the call letters of the radio station. KRP is crap. Oh, you know, I never really thought I, about that. I So I was going to go there, but I thought it was a little too on the nose. Why do they go first? with CRP? Uh, I think they, they all are. The, are they all K's on no, that so, side of the No, 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 no. no, 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 no that East of the Mississippi is W. East yeah. of the Mississippi is W. West of the Mississippi is K. But that would be the first letter. So that's why it's WKRP. Uh, they can't be KKRP. Imagining that maybe they thought WKRP wouldn't be as noticed by the censors or the people with the network. And then once you get it on the air, you can't change it sort of thing. Yeah, if you, know? you can't say booger, you sure as hell can't say crap. Probably can't say crap. No. But they both said booger on this show. Well, that was in 1968. The laws and the have changed in 10 years and boogers allowed now. After that scene, uh, we get to that meeting that Andy was talking about with Bailey, Les, and Herb. And as soon as Andy walks in, Herb greets him and he says, even though he's only been there for three days, he can already feel an, like an electricity in the air. And Andy is sitting on the desk while the other three are sitting at the couch in his office. Andy informs him that effective today, the station has changed format to be a top 40 rock and roll station <laughs> at which... Herb falls out of the couch. This is also, I know brought up Airheads again, right? Because it's another movie or TV show about a radio station. But this is like the reverse plot of Airheads, too, where Airheads is turning into an easy listening station. Right, yep. Yeah. The rain. Rebel radio. Whoa, whoa. I used to be editor of the school magazine. (laughs) That movie is another great goddamn movie. I love that movie. I I legitimately love that movie. (laughs) Put the monster away. B. Arthur, outstanding. Outstanding. Uh, so he goes to tell them a little bit more about what that means and immediately Les is worried that they're all going to be fired. But Andy informs him that they're not, but there will be some changes to their departments. He asks Les about his eyewitness weather reports, which apparently is just Les looking out the window and witnessing the weather and reporting it. And I mean, also, he's not lying. Yeah, it's eyewitness. Uh, and... He also asks them about the helicopter reports, but those are also fake. And as Ferg did earlier, it's just a padding of the chest to make the helicopter-like sound. Oh, that hurt. Well, Les warned you. He told you it hurt. <laughs> he did. I should have taken a lesson from Les. Herb mentions- did I tell you guys about our weather report? I'm, I'm in the off. sky <laughs> right now. <laughs> you know the traffic's bad here. It just looks like you're staring at your dick. I don't know what you're doing. I am staring at his dick and you. 
I was going to flick a booger off. <laughs> mm, booger. Because <laughs> we're from Boston, so I got to drop the R, kid. Booger. booger. So, uh, Herb mentions Shady Hills, his oldest and dearest client. And if Andy thinks that that will, you know, make them not want to advertise through them anymore if they go rock. Andy tells him for every one you'll lose, you'll gain three and double your commissions as far as advertisers go. Um, terrible math. If you were yeah. losing one and gaining three, like you should have triple the commissions, but maybe Andy's taking a cut <laughs> with that kind of extra bonus money. He said double, right? Yeah. He said he would he would double his commissions, but he would have so three if you times lose one. No Goro math. No, <laughs> He's it's, wrong. So it's triple. No, I think he no. No, if you, if lose, you lose one, one and then you, you gain, gain three, nope. you're still only gaining two. You're gaining yeah. two more, so that wouldn't be double. You that go from one. Doubling. You, you go from one to zero, from zero to three, so you will be making triple the commission you made. When right, you had but if you go from one to two. zero, you've lost it. You can argue this all you want, but when you listen back, you'll realize you're wrong and that you died on this hill of bad math. So no, make no. it be known. And no. remember, Nick, Gordo's you on your side. Even if you take one away, and you have zero. <laughs> you still have three when before you had one. So, no, 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 no. If you had three. Everybody using their fingers and, is and making me so away, fucking happy right now. And you take away one. And you gain <laughs> you real- two. That pause was him realizing he's wrong. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Because he didn't. they didn't start with three. So you have one. You, you start with one. one. You lose it. You lose it, one. You get you go, three. Now you have triple. So you go from one to three. You've tripled, not doubled. So if you had one and you're doubling your commission, you'd have two. So if you have three... Go to the way I see it, you have a 33 and one-third percent chance of beating me in this math argument. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe maybe you're right about that. <laughs> so <laughs> Shame on you too, Nick. Shame on you. Wait, Ferg, is that an Einsteiner shirt? Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. That's amazing. That's the whole yeah. math quote on the back. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that That's he embraced great. it and was like, yeah, just make the shirt. I'll take the money. <laughs> You'll pay me what? Use all that money to open a new Shoney's. And, uh, entrepreneur. So Jennifer walks in and says she's being swamped with calls over whatever Johnny's doing on the radio, which was three. And uh, they don't usually get any calls. And if the pressure keeps up, she's going to have to ask for more money and then walks off. And that's when you have Herb screaming at her. Would you settle for a side of beef? They go right back to the beef right? joke. Right? Because steak is a good gift. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Gorda works for the um, Omaha, Omaha steak. steak. For like the steak council or something. Like Gorda works for big steak right now. And he's just really <laughs> trying to push his agenda. Again, go to <laughs> omahasteaks.com, type in the promo code S1E1, and tell us what happens. I don't know. I kind of feel like those things, you'll just get the 10% off of no matter what you write. It's just someone might get paid if you put in a correct code. Maybe we should reach out to Omaha Steaks. Not after this. <laughs> I feel like when you reach out to those people, sometimes they'll just be like, uh, we'll give you some. I remember I mean, one time. Uh, cool with that, too. So win-win? Well, one time when we were, uh, so this was when we were in high school, when Red Invasion, we used to drink those Rockstar energy drinks all the time. And somebody like took it upon themselves to reach out to them and be like, hey, we play a lot of shows and we're traveling around a lot and we drink a bunch of this. Anyway, we could get a bunch for free or whatever. And they were like, we will send you cases of it. We're like, oh, awesome. They're like, yeah, all you have to do is take this Rockstar Energy banner we send you and put it up behind you when you play. We're like, never mind. We'll buy our own $2 energy drinks. I'm sorry. We're not going to put your banner up. 
I would have done it. They could put a banner behind me. Well, I was going to say, that was when we were in high school, and now we are adults. And I'm like, if anybody reaches out and wants well, us to put banners up, let's do this shit. What you should have done is put the banner up, taken the picture, and then pulled the banner down. <laughs> and oh, then like had when I took the Polaroid at Russell's star. house at the tong- uh, toga party. I hope that next week you just see a giant Omaha Steaks banner behind Ferg. (laughs) (laughs) But for some reason, Gordo gets like a lower grade or lower tiered one. He got the Idaho chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Something called Chernobyl Farms. I'm not really sure, but it tastes really good. So uh, Andy tells Les that he only wants news from reliable sources moving forward and no more traffic reports until he gets him a real helicopter. Uh, I don't know if that's he's not a, to... That's not a cheap yeah, get. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. Just go get a helicopter real quick. Yeah. Hire, yeah. A, hire a pilot and get a helicopter. <laughs> I think and now you're just... assuming, too, that that building has either a helipad on top of it or you have to have a place where you can store a helicopter. I think maybe it was a really nice way of saying, stop doing the traffic report. <laughs> stop hitting yourself in the chest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he did say, gee, thanks, Andy. My chest is killing me. And then he gives Bailey some added responsibilities with like promotions and giveaways and things of that nature, which was met with a little bit of pushback from Herb originally. But then Andy tells him that, you know, you're going to be busy with sales meetings and business lunches. So, you know, he was okay with that now. And then he says, Bailey, do you think you can handle that? And she goes... Yeah, I think I can do it. I thought she gave off like a real like Adrian from Rocky vibe in that moment. Like take her, her to like, the tim- zoo. <laughs> that, she, she has just like a timidness to her. So I don't know. I guess may- maybe I just picked up on that one. And then yeah, Talia Shire, Tal- Talia Shire vibes for sure. So everyone's really excited at this point, and Urban Lesser like they're on board and now telling Andy that he's the best and they're like a hundred percent behind him now. And as soon as they tell him, like, all this, like, positive adulations, Mr. Carlson runs in and says, Travis, you're fired. And then the two of them instantly turn on him again and go, good move, big guy. And, <laughs> and then Les is like, I knew you wouldn't last. And they just walk off. Such shitty yes men. Yeah. I mean, they wanted the job, right? So now this is the, the opening is back. And then Herb Les and Mr. Carlson all run into Carlson's office. Um, his mother's on the way and they're trying to coordinate a story to explain what happened. He wants to tell his mother that Johnny snapped while on the air and like, that's why rock music was playing all of a sudden. And he said that that had happened once in the past where one of their sports casters in the middle of a swimming meet snapped and started barking like a dog, I believe. Also, what a boring assignment. Be like, we're here live on the radio at the swimming meet? Yeah, which is probably why he snapped. So now Andy walks in and wants to know what's going on. And he tells him how Mama turned the radio on and heard Johnny. It's like, I think we should just try to calm down. And he's like, calm down, Jughead. Mama's coming. This is what he said to Herb. You said Bozo earlier is a good one. Using Jughead as an insult, I think, is pretty fantastic as well. I think we should bring that one back. Yeah, Jughead. Jughead's good. Jughead, also uh, Steve Gutenberg's gang in Police Academy 2, starring Howard Hessman and Bobcat Goldthwait. They used to be called the Archies, but they changed it. <laughs> I think it's the line. Fuck, I love Police Academy so much. And then Mr. Carlson and Les have an exchange where it's like, you're right, this is no time for calmness. And he goes, I'm certainly not calm. And he goes, of course you're not, you lily-livered, gutless. I ought to take you apart brick by brick. 
I'd have chop you off at the ankle. And I'm like, why is he? I get he's nervous that his mother is coming, but these threats are very extreme for one of your yes men who didn't say anything that uh, offensive towards you or negative towards you. Yeah, this is where he starts coming completely unglued, right? Where you're like, oh, he's a totally different person in this scene than he has been the entire episode. Full panic mode. And then Mama finally walks in. And when Mr. Carlson tries to greet her, she just pushes him aside and sits at his desk and asks what's going on and who Andy is, because Andy's standing right there. Andy announces himself as the new program director, which Mr. Carlson is very quick to announce. He's the old program director, and now Herb is the new program director. And did anybody pick up who the mother is? No. She looked a little familiar, but I didn't look her up. So she's only the mother in the pilot. It changes, because she's like the owner of the station, right? So she's in the show forever. But this actress, Sylvia Sidney is her name. She's Juno in Beetlejuice. Oh, yeah. Coach, I don't think we survived that crash. <laughs> How'd you oh, guess? Oh, okay. I like that it took Gordo an extra 10 seconds to process who it was. You... Uh, I don't know the, the, the character by name. Juno, I just, your caseworker. Yeah, I just knew her by uh, being the old woman. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that that's what clicked. So that that was the reason for yeah. the delay. So, uh, but she's great as that. Yeah. She is. For sure. Uh, Les asked what Les wants to know what about him because he also wanted that job and he's told that he can be program director once Herb is gone you know with that joke why does either of them want that job if the program directors keep getting fired they keep getting fired you wouldn't want that job they both have like dreams of what the station can be and they both want to like form it in their mindset and think that maybe their idea is the right one but yes essentially it's it's a better idea to just stay safe where you're at Mama then asks, are you responsible for the strange sounds I heard uh, emanating from my radio this morning? When he says that he is, she asks him to explain himself. He says he happens to like the sounds coming out of the radio. And she says, this isn't for your personal listening pleasure. This is a business. Andy's like, that's why the station needs to change formats. Rock and roll is where the money's at. You know, and he says... In the first year, I can break even. In year two, you can probably clear $800,000 after taxes. And she's saying it's too little too late. And it's like, is it? Because you're currently losing $100,000 a year. So if year one, he can at least stop that and you're at least breaking even, that's a good move. Yeah, but she says yeah. she can sell it and make double that right, right now. Five times that. She can Five make. times Right, but if we're and we're doing the math from earlier, right? So Nick, if a hundred grand was four hundred grand, so that makes what? So in the next year, they'll break even this year after losing. That'd be like two million dollars. No, it's like three point two. Three point two, right? Yeah, yeah. So she's saying no, I don't want to make three point two million dollars in a year. Yeah, I thought this was uh, a poorly planned part of the story for her to have reacted like that. I mean, she's complaining that the you know radio station isn't doing well, and he says, "Well, I can make it do well," and she's like, "No." Like, it doesn't make any sense. I'll at just all, sell yeah. it. Yeah. Well, you could have sold it years yeah, ago sold, if you were losing exactly, money yeah. every year. Yeah, if that's the case, then why complain about yeah, it? Yeah, that's right? always like, been an option. Well, if she can sell it now and get five times more, you know, a bird in a hand is worth two in the bush. You don't know that's going to be successful. That's her logic. But I how mean, many steaks is it worth? <laughs> Go to our resident steak, man. <laughs> Birds don't make a lot of, a lot of meat. Not like a lot of meat. Good, you don't like a, a good bird steak? <laughs> That's going to be the S1E1 uh, <laughs> bird thing. Steak. Bird steak. 
<laughs> Omaha Steaks, please reach out to us. Make sure you give Jay his uh, medium well. No. Uh, <laughs> It'll go that's me. promptly into the trash. Uh, so Yeah, you and I eat the medium well. They all like them rare. That, that was the joke. Oh. Medium rare. I'm a medium well guy too for burgers. Oh, we do lose the argument. I wasn't on so that episode. It's Nick's, three to two then. Oh, we yeah. got the majority, boys. Berg swore you were on our side. For steaks, oh. I said, and I clearly said steak. I am that for steaks, yes, but burgers okay, yeah. should not be pink. I'm sorry. If it's fresh meat, well, we, we can't have this argument. We're anymore. not going we, back in this. this Why would he always talk about burgers and coffee? <laughs> oh, Omaha, hungry, steak. Oh, Omaha we, steaks is like, we can't sponsor them. They can't even agree on the meat. <laughs> <laughs> Run by Hank Hill, I really like Greg Omaha's <laughs> accent a lot there. As long as they're cooking those burgers on propane. <laughs> can't agree on the meat. So uh, Andy says that, you know, he hates to say it, but he can't work that way. And he guesses he is fired. And I do like that he didn't make false promises to keep his job. We talked about this earlier. It was like, the, the you know, he could have easily said, well, I can make you $2 million in year one because she didn't like the idea of that break-even year one thing. But he stuck to his guns. He's like, no, this is the process. I'm giving you realistic numbers. This is what I can actually deliver. So I, I did respect that about him. I did too. Very realistic. But also, like, you know, if that's his reputation, that's how he got this last job, he probably did the same thing. He's kind of like, he's like Dalton in Roadhouse. Like, you go and you get this guy in your failing place they come, they make all these changes, they make it successful, and then they move on and do it again. He's so like I'm Gordon sure Ramsey's. if he's like, look, I can do this, I have the track record, that's why I'm here. If you don't want me, there's another radio station, another city that will do the same thing, and I have no problem packing up, uh, you know, taking up stakes, as it were, and uh, moving to the next one. So like, he has the right to be like, I mean, it's not like his dream is to do this in Cincinnati. Right. His dream is to, you know, his job is to do this wherever. So Roadhouse. So yeah. So as yeah, he's about if, to if leave, he gets that job and loses it in three days. Is someone gonna look at his resume and hire him? Like, don't add that to the resume. <laughs> leave yeah, that so. one off. Yeah, that's 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 the answer to that one. Yeah. You just leave off the stuff you don't want people to know about, especially in 1978. Right? It's a lot harder to track. God, that imagine stuff how down. easy it would have been to. Right, lie I, I would resume. make up so much shit. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I see you're a neurosurgeon. Pre- Why is it that you want this job at Whataburger? <laughs> I mean, this is back when people would be like, the cops are after me. Quick, I'll start parting my hair to the other side. And the cops would be like, <laughs> we lost him. We don't know where the guy went. Like, this is such a different time. It's, it's like super, uh, Superman wearing glasses to be Clark Kent. <laughs> That's a perfect well, example. It, yeah. Well, it's like they in those days, they painted Ted Bundy to be like the master of disguise. And just like, look at various pictures of him. He didn't look that different. No, he... Mrs. Pac-Man wears a little bow. It's like, oh, <laughs> there it is. As Sphincter says what? <laughs> exactly. So uh, Let's go, Tev Proof. So Mr. Carlson stops him from leaving and tells his mother that she's been on his back for years to turn a profit. And when he finally gets started, now she wants to dump the station. And if Andy goes, he goes. This guy is all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I don't get why yeah. he suddenly grew nuts. Because there was nothing to lead into that. There wasn't like relationship built with them, anything at all. It's just the, all of a sudden. He yeah, just I don't know if there was an, that. There wasn't enough of a moment to build to it, or you just needed a couple lines where maybe if if the mother shot him down a little bit more, that he finally felt the pressure to like backlash, you know, and yeah, and kind of step up to her. But yeah, it did seem a little out of nowhere to the point where he was going to risk his own job over this guy. Mama does seem to appreciate her son you know, showing a little backbone for once. And as a result, 
tells Andy he can try it his way for a little while. Mr. Carlson attempts to tell, to tell his mother off a little bit more because now he thinks he has some lead way, but she cut that off really quick. He says, don't push it. And then this is where we get to meet Venus Flytrap. Yeah, because uh, a moment after all that happened, the door opens and enters a man by the name of Mr. Venus Flytrap. <laughs> and Andy, Andy announces him as the best nighttime DJ in the country. And he was able to hire him away from the station that he was working at in New Orleans. The mother asks, did you have a big audience there? And he just goes, the biggest. <laughs> She's like, like a weird. Welcome to Cincinnati, Mr. Flytrap. Question here. It's not like we're talking about terrestrial radio. So how can you bring an audience from New Orleans up to Cincinnati? Like, wouldn't you have to build that within the community? You can't really because I think they're buying the personality, not his fan base. But what I think stranger about this is if this guy had such a good thing going in New Orleans, what on earth? Because this this place also doesn't have a ton of money, it sounds like. So... What did they have to do to get this guy? I don't guy know. They're getting a helicopter, Nick. Yeah. They're established in New Orleans, and they're doing well. He's popular. Who the fuck wants to move to Cincinnati if that's the case? Like, Well, I, it sounds I, like this it only makes more sense bit. if it's a bigger market, right? Like where Howard Stern right, got yeah. hired from D.C. to go to New York, they were like, hey, this guy's really popular out here. We'll sure, we're sure he'll be popular here as well. And it's a bigger market. We can offer him more money. Than and although, although you, although you can't bring the audience over, you can put on your billboards. Louisiana, Louisiana's number one DJ, or something like that. Yeah, you and can I, build it up. Marketing. Fair point. And I think and as also, far this is as Tim Reed, we haven't talked about yet, but Tim Reed from another show. I'm sure we'll do Sister Sister. I was going to say, yeah, the father from Sister Sister. Tim Reed's hilarious. It, he's so good. Oh, he's great. Yeah. I think it's one of those things too to go back to what you were saying. Um, as far as like, how do you get him if he's established money and do they have a ton of state? Like, does the station have a ton of money? We don't know their exact finances. We just know they're losing money. I if get his the contract idea is, the mother is rich. Like for sure. Rich? Yeah. yeah. Oh. And if, if, if Andy was able to offer him a slightly larger contract than what he was working with before, on top of the fact that it looks like they have an existing friendship beforehand. So it's, you could lure him away. There could be other factors, too. Like, he might just be like, I don't want this Louisiana humidity anymore. I'll take the next yeah. job that gets offered for the so same So you're going to go to Cincinnati Snow? Like an airborne? And I think we need to talk about also aesthetically what Venus looks like. His, uh, pimp? He, yeah, he's just, he's like, he's just dressed like a, like the typical, like, pimp outfit that you would assume. Whatever he's you cat. think he looks like. When he I'm looks re- like Superfly. Yeah. He went in a... Very styled up for a just oh, for a non what you know for him would be a non on air situation where he's just walking into a meeting essentially. He's like an exploitation movie pimp character. Yes, Mama heads out and tells her son if this doesn't work, you know she'll tear him down brick from brick. A little callback to what he was saying to Les a little earlier, um, and he says, "Yeah, I get the picture." He's it's weird. He just really flips all, all of a sudden where he's feels confident around her. And before exiting, she tells Andy and Venus that it was nice to have met them, but rolls her eyes as she walks out the door. And Venus goes, that's a mean little mama. He, he does a lot of mama. Like everything he says is uh, the, the dialect is exaggerated and very lively. Especially when he says, say what? <laughs> Which is my favorite <laughs> well, yeah, we'll get to that episode. in a second. <laughs> because, um, 
Yeah, Andy then asks Herb and Les to show Venus around the station. Herb tells him that uh, he has some ideas for his show, which is interesting because he's already the number one DJ, and you didn't even know this guy was coming a minute ago. And then Les tells him that he does the sports here, and he asks him uh, if he's ever noticed that there's currently a lot of Negroes in sports. And then he goes, well, yeah. Wait, say what? <laughs> <laughs> and uh um, 70s. Yeah, yeah. It was um I like the innocence at which Les said it though because he's not it's just more like a observation to him. It's like, "Oh, you know, when watching sports, I happen to notice that the majority of the players look this way." Right, he's not saying a word out of hate. He's saying the word he thinks is right. Like it's yeah. So now that it's just the two of them, Andy thanks Mr. Carlson for standing up for him. And Mr. Carlson responds by thanking him for giving him a reason to, which now enters Johnny. He goes, Hey babies. And sits down. Mind if I come in? He's already inside. And, uh, I think Mr. Carlson's the one who goes, Dr. Fever, I presume. He goes, yeah, I'm fired. Right. And he tells him he doesn't care, um, because he hates this town. Or no, I'm sorry. He, he tells him he's had it with this town. He doesn't necessarily hate the town. And Andy says, you can't leave. You know, we're going to go with the rock format. Johnny's already asleep. So he doesn't he's asleep notice. again. They go, you're needed in Cincinnati. And he wakes up. He's like, listen, if I leave now, I can be there by noon tomorrow. <laughs> and <it laughs> and runs off. out of the office. And then um, in the version I watched, because again, this is really tough to find anywhere. There's just kind of like a photo of the cast with the voiceover from Andy saying that, you know, we'll be right back after these messages or whatever. I don't know if you guys yeah. caught that in whichever you were watching. It did, yeah. Yeah. I feel like this was a miss because this would be, again, Mary Tyler Moore show, this makes more sense, right? Because you're doing something that's a TV gag. I feel like it would have made more sense if they showed the radio dial from the beginning again, and then you heard him saying that over the radio. Yeah, instead of the group shot, because um, the only other shot, I, the only other episode... We've covered that I can think of that did something like this was Mad About You had one of them. Which is kind and, of interesting on a pilot. But uh, show, well, I was going to say in that era, Mad About You and WKRP are like 20 years apart from one another. But um, it was just a thing used more in episodes back then, where now things are made more formatted for streaming than they are for actual television. But because they had that. After these messages, we'll yeah, be right back. back. Hunk of hunk of cheese. <laughs> I'm just thinking of all those commercials from that. <laughs> So, uh, so the final scene we get is it's Venus in the DJ booth and he's like, it's the hour of darkness, children. And Venus is on the rise in Cincinnati. The moon is high and so am I. So let's get down pretty brothers and sisters together. We will growl and howl right after this word from Shady Hills rest home. And I thought that was a great button to end on. That was a really good button for that episode. Yeah. Also, this is where he hits a physical gong in the office and it rattles him because it's right behind his head. Yeah. And uh, the last visual you do get is Mr. Carlson kind of peeking through the window at Venus's, you know, set or whatever. I don't know how what I should call it, but him just working in the booth and then um, him kind of walking out of the office. And the last thing I kind of want to touch on before we go into the green lighting or cancel stuff is the episode is called Pilot Part 1. Episode 2 is called Pilot Part 2. This wasn't a one, like a to be continued situation. 
No. I honestly I, think this is just a product of the time. Like, they just must have filmed two episodes for a pilot, and it's not common to do now or something. Like, I don't think they intended for this story to be a two-parter. It just the way the show was named, I think, back then is it's all It's just it is. interesting. Yeah, because it yeah. ends pretty decisively. Right. Yeah, I can't yeah. think of another, and there might be examples, because it's not like I have every show memorized. But I, I can't like it's think of be a naming convention, and that first time they played the episode, they played two, and it was just easy to call them pilot May- one and oh, pilot yeah, two maybe. for the premiere. Because I definitely don't think I've ever seen another show that had pilot part two. No, no. You know what else is crazy is this show is twenty seven and a half minutes long. So do they have like it three was commercials one, yeah. total? Well, there was less commercials back then. Yeah. But I was surprised, too, when I saw that it was this long because we watched, again, we watched a lot of these shows, or I watched the show, rather, on Nick at Night in the late 90s, early 2000s, where there are a lot more commercials. So I wonder if the TV edits were even, like, the modern TV so edits They might have were, chopped some scenes out, some yeah. trimmed the fat a little bit to get them formatted for standard television now. This was but, also a pilot, too. So maybe yes. there were less commercials. Yeah, Maybe. You know what I mean? Like less yeah, that's advertisers true. Maybe the other willing. Aren't as long. Well, no, no, no. Think about this: that it's back in the day when advertisers had to like choose the shows. Maybe less advertisers were willing to take a chance. Yeah, it on could be. Like it's that. just like I, I've never seen a show go that close to the thirty-minute threshold like like this did. That's all I found interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, so in any event. Just wanted to touch on that because I thought that was a really interesting thing that I have never really noticed before. But other I mean, than it that, confused it, the hell out of me. I remember. Yeah, <laughs> I was I, mentioning I, it earlier. Yeah, yeah, I was, was like, "Worried? Are we not?" Well, I was kind of hoping that it was uh, like meant to be a two-parter because I almost wanted to talk about how we felt about an episode ending not with the ending for the first time because you're never really going to see a pilot get broken up like that. So I was, yeah, I was kind of like anxiously hoping it would be something weird so we can like rip apart the decision. But um, but yeah, that's we've covered everything. I don't know if there's anything else you want to mention about the show before we move on. Otherwise, we can get right into the Green Ladder cancel. I would say one quick thing to mention is this now opens up the option for us to, in the future, do an episode of the early 90s TV show, The New WKRP in Cincinnati. Fantastic. I know everyone's really excited for that possibility. We've talked about doing a series of reboots and reimagination uh Shows, so I guess we can pile that onto a list if we get to it one day. Uh, so, but let's get into the green letter cancel now. I'm going to go in the order I see you all in. Gordo, I'm starting with you. I'm actually a little torn. I, I didn't really like it, but there was enough there that I want to see the setup. Like the the show itself was kind of boring, but it really set up. What kind of wacky things are going to happen in the next episode? I've never seen this show. Um, I probably will never watch another episode like it, for the purposes of our show. It's there's enough Omaha steak on the bone for me to want to green light it. So, yeah, that's a green light. That's I, and I reversed decision as we were talking about about this during the show so green light for me joe uh um this is this is my pick so not surprisingly i am gonna green light it i think gordo kind of hit the nail right on the head where he said that it wasn't so much the greatest episode but it sets you up to want to see where these characters go i love the premise i love the sort of zany workplace comedy 
And I love the idea of people getting together to build something up that's falling apart because it gives you so many options for how they'll fail humorously. Um, I love, you know, almost everybody in this cast is just amazing. Has done so much stuff that I loved and watched a lot as a kid. Um, I'm probably going to seek out if I can buy this digitally or if I have to cave and get the, I'm sure, 17 disc DVD set so I can uh, rewatch all of this again. So green light for me. Ferg, do, we, do I even need to ask? <clears throat> uh green light for me um yeah surprise you didn't i you did uh, <laughs> i didn't hate the show i didn't love it with these older shows it's really tough it's not meant for me uh, it's different kind of comedy different everything and i had no nostalgia for this show because i've never seen it so i had to just look at it like from the outside and i mean it's a, a well done pilot for the most part, and it reminded me of other shows from that era that I like, which I would definitely pass, so it gets the pass from those, basically. I'm just trying to, you know, be non-biased. <laughs> uh, very surprised. Nick? So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it was another Joe show. Um, I had very low expectations. Um, thank you. I, thank I remember, you very much for that. <laughs> I remember seeing it. Um, I remember not being a huge fan of it back in the day. Like, I just remembered it existing pretty much. First five minutes of the show, I was like, oh, my God, it felt like 20 minutes. And then it, like, really opened up, and I ended up loving it because it doesn't feel like a pilot. You know how the you know how pilot, and, and I mean that in a good way, you know, a pilot, like, everybody's trying to get their footing, but they, they seem to hit their stride, like, instantly somehow. Everybody had really good chemistry. All the actors, like you said, were really good. Um, I mean, Howard Hessman I, is hilarious. Everybody played their role really well and very funny. And I had a lot of fun watching it. And I really did want to keep watching, especially because I forgot that Tim Reed was in this. Um, especially once they introduced him. He's hilarious. I definitely wanted to see more out of him. This is a big green light because I really didn't think I was going to like this show at all and ended up really liking it. So green light. Yeah, so uh, with me, I'm actually, I'll go with the rest of you. I'm going to give it the green light. I was a little unsure at the beginning of the episode. I wasn't totally sold on it. And I'll tell you, 90% of my decision to green light this is based on Johnny's character. I really liked his character. A lot of the people around it, I'm iffy on. I guess I like Andy enough, but a lot of them, I don't know. I was kind of whatever towards. But Johnny, I thought he, just his physical comedy and his deliveries, like he was just so good in it um, that I was really compelled to watch him. Will I continue to watch the show in real life? Um, we'll see. I, I'm a little curious. To I'm sure I would enjoy it in moments if I ever have a minute to watch anything to i mean you can't really honest. either <laughs> have that's you continued a, that's have you continued any show we've covered no but there's so many that i want to there's so many that i legitimately <laughs> want to i'm with you on that i have watched some i watched all of ghosted because it was only 10 episodes but of all the shows, shows. <laughs> well just because it well because i had to buy bought the whole series because yeah. it was and then they put it on hbo max right immediately after, after and that's not the first time it's happened to me <laughs> it was like a bet going on in the studio like if one person buys this we'll put it on the network i want my 998 back uh yeah but no like what we do in the shadows like i legitimately want to watch that show if i ever have a moment to watch television ironically we do a show about television i have no time to watch tv but um but yeah to move forward and close this episode out uh congratulations wkrp in cincinnati with a surprising five out of five from the guys and Full just a surprising 
just a surprising green light for any show Joe picks in general. Um, so, uh, again, congratulations, guys. You move on to episode two. Uh, so that's it. That's all the time we have for this week. Be sure to go to s1e1pod.com. That's where you can find all the links to everywhere to listen to us, all our social medias. Rate, review, subscribe, interact with us on our Instagram and Twitters. We do appreciate that. We like getting the feedback. When you message us with suggestions, just positive affirmations. Don't be negative. Just be honest with us. Whatever. We, we like to talk to the people who listen to us. We appreciate you all equally. Oh, maybe not equally. We probably lean towards the people who like us more than the people who don't. But that being said, that's it. That's all the time we have. Thank you, guys. Catch you again next week. Goodbye. I think we got the best Dr. Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> Booger.